gotta get it out. This is part two of hope for hopeless situations or hope for the hopelessness. Bryce Harper podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Um, this podcast is entitled A Good Start Envisions the End Result. And I want to talk to you about part two of hope and hopeless situations or hope and hopelessness. We live in a world and a society that desperately needs hope. And as you are listening to this, it's around the holiday season, 2022. And I am preaching on a series at our church. I have the honor of being the lead pastor of Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And I'm in a series entitled Hope, Hope of Christmas. And I preached this message this week, part two of this series. And there's lots of different titles I thought I could have gave the message, but I think Get It Out really sums it up. And it's from Luke chapter one, verses 26 through 45 about Mary. And um, there's a lot to get from it. And I think we have to, without getting into the text too much, you can go back and read through it, and I'll maybe quote it a little bit here, but we do need in our lives hope like never before. Our churches need hope. Our nation needs hope. And really, in all of that, people need hope. When you think about it on an individual level, you and I need to be hopeful. Things over the last three years have not been very hopeful. Uh, They've been very divisional. They've been very um, just difficult. And In a lot of senses, people have lost their hope. And through COVID and through political and racial division, there's just been a lack of hope across the globe. And and hope starts with us. Hope starts with the people of God, the individual person who is devoted to disciple themselves and to follow the ways of God, the spirit of God, and to be infused and empowered by the presence of God. John Maxwell inspired some of these thoughts I want to share, but that is um, we do need to understand there's a difference between living a life of success and living a life of significance. He kind of said it like this. I kind of put in my own words. You can live a life of just success or you can live a life of success that propels you into a life of significance. And really in a lot of ways, we as a church have become traditional rather than missional. The church has always been and should always be on mission. Uh, But really, it seems like over the years, we have become more traditional than missional. Now, I am not saying we shouldn't partake in, you know, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, talking about Eucharist, talking about taking Holy Communion. We do that as a church regularly, systematically, rhythmically, um, as a tradition, because that's something we find from Scripture, um, water baptism, um, things like that. Those are not, you know, gathering together every single week. I'm not talking about those kind of things that we should do away with, but those traditions should fuel the mission. And I feel like a lot of, in a lot of ways, we as a church in Western society have got it completely flipped. We're, we're not missional anymore. We're just traditional and we're just about getting in and getting out and going about our day, not living on mission. So we've really moved away from, 
from being missional to being traditional. There's nothing wrong with being traditional, but that tradition should encourage us to be missional. And I think a lot of ways we've we've moved from being a better way of probably saying is we've moved from being missional to minimal, to livable, to being just just getting by, just not truly pursuing God, the invisible God and 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 what he has called us as a church to be. Mike Singletary, the Hall of Fame Chicago Bear linebacker, um, was once asked in an interview why he started wearing a, a cross necklace. Some of the reporters noticed it after much of his success, Super Bowl champion, and and he I'm paraphrasing, but he, he said something to the effect of he realized once he once he got to the top there was nothing there for him. You can live for success or you can live for significance. And our success should propel us into a life of, of, of tremendous significance. And Mary, in Luke chapter 1, um, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. And I believe our significance is, is deeply rooted in who we are in covenant with. Our spouses, our families, our, our community, our spiritual community. We will not fulfill the complete call, complete call of God in our lives if without connection to the people of God around our lives. So you and I, we can fulfill our call, but if we want to, but do we want to live a life of success or have significance? Our own personal call will bring success, but God's call will bring significance. And I see that right here with the life of Mary in Luke chapter one. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favorite woman, the Lord is with you. And, you know, she was confused and he said, don't be afraid for you found favor with God. At this time, Mary's a teenager. She's poor. She's a woman. So the cultural context of her situation, she's poor, she's young, and she's a female. All those things were really accumulated to, to cause her to have this this countenance or perception of being a very lowly state, not having potential, um, not having real grand opportunity. But God calls Mary not because of success, experience, or her gender. God calls Mary because of her personal dignity, God's presence, and God's promise. God calls us not because of our success, experience, but God calls us because of purity of holiness, right? His presence and his promise. And so Mary um, is told by Gabriel, you, re, you will conceive, give birth to a son, you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angels, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. So, so Mary was aware of the Messiah's prophecy fulfillment um, it was not a question of doubt, but of logistics. It was not fear, but interest and instruction. She inquired based on following, not fleeing. So when God speaks a promise to us or to the church or to you, we should be inquisitive, not because of fear, but faith, not because of doubt, but belief, not because of leaving, but because of leading. She wanted to do precisely what God was saying. And too often, we miss God right here, right? We, 
he says something, we think natural rather than supernatural. We think temporal rather than eternal. We think within our knowledge of conceiving a child instead of God's wisdom in perceiving his creative work and promise in the earth. So what God has placed on the inside of you is not about you. How pure, how passionate, how successful, how experienced or persistent, how, how, how whole it is about saving the world. What God has placed on the inside of us, on the church, on the inside of you, is about rescuing the world. It's about impacting the world. It's about changing the world. In a lot of ways, before we can get out what's in us, we have, we have got to get out of the way. And so often we grow up in a Western church world that says, you've got to find out who you are in Christ. When we should be telling a generation, find who Christ is in you. Colossians 127, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We need hope. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he'll be called the Son of God. The Holy Spirit has to be just so involved in our lives. Has to be There has to be power in the pews again, so to say. There, the church has got to get back to not being afraid of the Holy Spirit releasing his power and overshadowing the church again. And also we we have to allow God to identify the things that the Holy Spirit has placed on the inside of us. God's given us a promise, he's given us a gift, an anointing, a business, an idea. And we have to allow, allow God to identify that, allow him to receive all the glory and honor for it. In verse 36, it talks about Elizabeth. Angels telling her, what's more, your, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. Uh, people used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Love verse 37, 38. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. The angel left her. And Mary, I love in King James Version, Luke one thirty eight says, Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Look, either you believe in the virgin birth or you, uh, of Jesus or you believe in the virgin birth of the entire universe. Luke here is a doctor, a medical doctor. He understands how a child is to be conceived. In his gospel writings, you see this if you study it. Luke is all about the facts. Right, you look at you look at John. John's very philosophical. John chapter one: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It Luke is facts, right? Luke is looking over at John like, look, that's cool, that's great, that's got a lot of spice and flavor to it, but I, I need to know facts. What happened? When did it happen? And in this account where Luke is writing his gospel, he's writing this account verbatim from Mary. So this isn't something Luke is just, hey, for the word of God, whatever. This is, this is what Mary is telling Luke to put down. And Luke writes all this and he reports this as fact. He's reporting the virgin birth as a fact. Now we have to understand, in our faith, in Christ, it is a confession. I confess this. 
it doesn't make a whole lot of sense naturally, practically, but in making this confession, you know, atheists, scientists who who believe in the virgin birth uh, of the universe, so to say, they're, and in a lot of ways, they are confessing that as a confession. So in our faith, we are confessing, we believe this. We believe it. It is ludicrous. We believe it. And we confess it, that Jesus was born of a virgin. So verse 39, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country where Zechariah lived. She entered the house. And the sound of Mary's greeting caused the child, John the Baptist, in Elizabeth's womb to leap. And Elizabeth, the Bible says, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a couple of things that should encourage you tremendously on how to maintain, sustain what God has placed on the inside of you, how you get it out, right? You got to get around people who make the promise of God in you just leap. You got to find these people. You got to stay around them. You got to be talking to them. You got to be creating that community and that bond with them. And really for me, these are lifelong friendships and relationships, and secondly, you got to get around people who get you filled with the Holy Spirit. You got to get around people who stir you up in the righteousness and the peace and joy that comes from the kingdom of God in the Holy Spirit. Verse 42, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and she exclaimed, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. So Elizabeth, somebody of old age, lineage of serving in the temple, family, was seen in society as being someone who was cursed because she didn't have a child. Here she is. She's in her sixth month of carrying this promise. Yet when she gets, when she is in the presence of Mary, God has blessed you, she says to Mary, above all women. And your child is blessed. This older woman with more success, more experience, more understanding, more wisdom, looks at a young teenage girl who comes to her with the news of, I am carrying the Messiah. And Elizabeth's immediate response is, you are blessed. And man, do we more than ever need the hearts of the fathers turning to the hearts of the sons, hearts of the sons turning to the father. We need a younger generation, an older generation turning to one another, hearts turning to one another. And I believe for the movement of God to take place in the church, we are going to have to have this kind of generational synergy that Pastor Jeremy of Cornerstone Nashville talks about so often um, in his messages and in his vision and his heart and his ministry. In a lot of ways, Jeremy's been that for me. He's been someone that says, you are blessed. I got people in this church that have been in ministry. Mike Courtney, our teaching pastor, has been in ministry for, for has had all kind of tremendous success in ministry and, in, and, and being a professional counselor and, and starting branches. And yet he's he's in my life consistently saying you saying things likened unto this. Bryce, you're blessed. Bryce, you're called. Bryce, Bryce what's on you? Is, it, it, there's tremendous potential. There's, there's things that God has placed. We have to, we have to be this for each other. We got to get around people who make the promise of God leap in us, and we've got to get around people who, uh, who cause the whole to, for us to be filled with the, with the Holy Spirit. 
I love what she goes on to say. She says, why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Verse 45, you were blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Here at our church, here at Family Worship Center, there's some land that's around our church. And we've been really interested in it. It's also extremely expensive and um, not really... I'm not really one liking going to the bank. I think we should be the lender, not the borrower. But um, the the land around us is has been up for sale for about five million or a little over five million. It's about forty acres or so that's around our church land here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We're one of we're like the third most popular place right now that's just growing in America. So, I mean, there are apartment complexes, there are homes, there are businesses, things going up. There's all kind of development happening all the time, all kind of things taking place in our city. It's really exciting. Uh, but for us, we do, as a church, we don't want to get landlocked. And so we have been interested trying to stay in the mix. And, of course, a, a, a big billion-dollar Home builder from Austin, Texas comes in, buy, buys the land, is in, has contingencies, obviously. Got to pass codes and city council, things like that. They had a community meeting here at our church. Our church hosts a lot of those for our city. We love doing that. We really do um, love being able to be a blessing to our community in that aspect and whatever aspect we can be. And, and so they, we had it here, and I, I showed up. I just wanted to see what was going on. And understanding that the, the land is under contract and we've been receiving different words and times of prayer, just really believing that the land should be the church. It should be ours since it's our property touches all this land that's around us. And, and uh, man, we're in this business meeting or this uh, community meeting, neighborhood community meeting. They're talking about the, the plans and all this stuff. And a lot of people were not excited in these surrounding neighborhoods. And, um, this home builders coming in, talking up a big game. You know, they're gonna, they're a great home builder, um, great product. Going to build a lot of houses back here. Seven hundred fifty thousand dollars or up. Big, big, thirty three hundred square foot or, or more. Beautiful homes, and um, and you know, people in the neighborhood meeting were just not excited, um, and a lot of these neighborhood roads are turning into highways and. And water drainage has become a little bit of an issue and things like that. It's just a lot of growth in our city. And, and a lot of people here, they're just not really excited about all these different companies coming from all over the nation to buying up land and, and building and those things. And and so sure enough, they're going back and forth in the meeting. And, and finally, one of the people leading the meeting said, hey, look, something's coming. Whether you want it to or not, something's coming. And of course, me, the spiritual one, the pastor in the room, in my mind, I'm thinking, yes, something is coming. Whether you want it or not, something is coming. And so I, that was back in September, I, I printed off a screenshot of the land, like Google Maps, and wrote at the top of it, Lord, be it unto us according to your word. And I put it on everybody's desk here at the church. I put it at the coffee bar and in the sound booth and and on every camera seat, and I just put it everywhere. In the kitchen, I just put it everywhere. So anytime anybody went anywhere, they saw 
the picture of the land and be it unto us according to your word. Our kids ministry coordinator, Jennifer Green, she has it up in her office. So she sees it every day when she walks into her office. Be it unto us according to your word. And I love that that verse 45. You are blessed because you believe the Lord, that the Lord would do what he said. You are blessed. You and I are blessed when we believe that the Lord would do what he said. And in this, I am just believing God's going to do what he said and what we feel like he said. And so sure enough, it goes to city council, the land, everything's getting passed. Uh, Chris Griffith, who is a city engineer for Murfreesboro, Tennessee, for city of Murfreesboro, is also um, one of my one of seven amazing board of directors here at Family Worship Center for me. It's been a huge asset for us and our church. And so he's been informed on kind of what's been transpiring and and um, so city city council was reviewing this whole purchase, and it was really just one of those things. It was going to be a done deal. These kind of things, these kind of projects, this kind of money, it's just approved and moved on. Well, sure enough, long story short, it did not get approved. It was a seven zero denial failure to be approved. And so now the land's back up for sale, and apparently the land is up for sale for, and they're taking bids lower than five million. And so it's just interesting to say the least, and fascinating to me. And so our churches continue to pray, and board and staff continue to pray. Lord, be it unto us according to your word, not my word, not not anybody else's word, but your word, God. What what do you want to do? And if that's what you want to do, God, we want to be a part of that. We want to see it done, and we want to help steward and fulfill the things that you want to do. And during this season, Christmas season, when I read through Mary and I preach on it and I teach on it, I think about Mary, I think about women in the Bible as a type and shadow of of the church. And Lord, be it unto us according to your word. In your life, in your family's life, would that be your prayer? In the church, would that be our prayer again? God, God, be it. Uh, God, we will be blessed because we believe the Lord that the Lord would do what He said He would do. And in all this, I always think about pregnancy. You know, my wife Sarah. We have two daughters, Mary Catherine, Madeline Brooke. Mary Catherine will be seven in the summer of twenty three. Madeline Brooke is about to be three here at the beginning of January of twenty three, and. You know, those times when Sarah was pregnant, it was, um, it's fascinating, right? Um, I've had the flu once, so I know all about pregnancy. Just kidding. Um, but it's interesting how a woman during pregnancy, the appetite changes drastically. She's not just feeding herself, but she is trying to feed and meet the need of the craving on the inside of her. And I feel like in the church, I sense in the church, we we have fed ourselves long enough. We have got to feed the cravings on the inside of us, what God has placed, not just meeting our personal needs, but now meeting the need of what God has put on us to deliver for the next generation and for the whole world to be changed for all of eternity. Appetite changes, right, when you know you got something on the inside of you. And it's not about just what I want, but it's about what he wants. And also when you're pregnant, the, 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 Sarah looks different, right? It's obvious, right? You know, your, your spouse, your wife looks different when they're pregnant. When you, you are physically showing 
that you're carrying something. And and I, I believe this. I, when Sarah when Sarah is pregnant, there, there's no time then then she she doesn't glow any other time like she glows when when she's carrying child, when she was carrying one of our daughters. And it's the same, I think it's the same thing for the church. The church is never more beautiful until they're carrying something that's for the next generation, or that's for all of eternity. They're carrying something. They're carrying a promise. They're carrying something that God, the Holy Spirit, has overshadowed and done something. And, and, and when a woman is pregnant, it's a topic of conversation. You know, how many more months? How, you know, how's it been going? You know, what's a due day? How you feeling? You know, it's a, it, it dominates conversation everywhere, everywhere a pregnant woman goes. And it should be the same thing for the church. It should be the same thing for you and I. It should dominate these things that God has put on us. We've got to get it out. It should dominate conversation. Not what I'm doing, what God is doing in me and through my life. It's not about me. It's about what God is doing. It's not about what I'm doing for God, but it's what about it's it's about what God is doing on the inside of me. And and there's like these four stages of when there's when it comes down to delivery of the child on that due date, right? Stage one, there's mild contractions. You kind of the woman's going for a walk. Stage two, the contractions become more intense. And it's at, it's at that point you need to be in the hospital. There needs to be extra assistance. Maybe it's a home birth. There needs to be like there needs to be extra assistance, um, a nurse, you know, they're, they're checking blood pressure, they're checking heart rate, checking all those kind of things. There's all these kind of elements and things in place to make sure things are going to go well. Um, and to me, that that's a picture of the church. You can only go so long, you know, like stage one, like I'm good, I can handle it, I'm going for a walk, I'm kind of getting loose, get my blood flowing, I'm good. But eventually, you to to deliver what God has given you and to deliver it safely, you got to have assistance. You got to have Elizabeth around. You got to have people around you, professionals, people with experience, people who have done this before. You got to have people around you to help you deliver the promise that God has placed on the inside of you. And then, in the in the delivery kind of phases, the next thing you're stage one, stage two, and then you go to transition. And transition is, is when the woman says, nah, I ain't doing this. This ain't going to happen. It's impossible. I'm not, I'm not fitting to push a baby out of my body. And it's during this time where, you, where, where doctors and nurses say, this is where you focus. This is where you listen to your body. And when your body begins to contract and push, you push with your body. And and really over the last couple of years with, with COVID, with politics, with racial division, and the church has been in transition. I mean, we've the church has been, I can't do this. I can't make it happen. It's, it's too bad. It's impossible. There's no way. And it's in this moment where we have to focus. And really my word, really for, my, for, for me, and I, I feel like for our church, going into 2023 is, is that I've been saying it to our staff and our team leaders is, is focus. We've got, we've got to focus. I don't know what that means for you to the listener. I know what it means for me and my family and, and my children and for, and for um, our ministry. And, 
But what does that mean for you on a personal level? I mean, we've really got to focus and re- and, and and listen to the body of Christ, listen to this spiritual body and begin to push and deliver. I really believe the church is on the edge of seeing incredible things. In the midst of darkness, there's going to be marvelous light that's going to shine through the church. And it's all going to be because of Jesus. And it's all going to be because the body focused, no distractions, and began to listen to what the Spirit was doing and pushing and delivering. And of course, the moment Sarah delivered Mary Catherine and Madeline Brooke, it's, it's relaxing, it's bonding, it's this moment of just a miracle. Childbirth is like a miracle. And there is just this massive relief in the whole room. There's this huge relief for Sarah. Oh my gosh, amazing. Oh my gosh, so beautiful. Oh my gosh, I would do it all again. You know, like all this stuff, like, oh, it was so worth it. You know, I'll, uh, I would do it all again just to have this child. And same thing for us as a church, as a body of believers. Thank you for tuning in. Get it out. Get out what God has placed on the inside of you. Surround you with people who cause the promise of God to leap. Surround, you, surround yourself with people who cause, this, cause you to be filled with the Spirit of God. Don't live just for success. Live for significance. And get out what God has placed on the inside of you. Thank you for tuning in. Don't ever forget a good start envisions the end result.